Welcome back, everybody. We promised you more content, and here's another week of the Steel Target Pain Podcast. As always, I am accompanied by my best friend in the steel sports, best friend overall. Anyways, Steve, how you doing? I'm doing Jeff. Yeah, I'm doing Jeff. <laughs> Whoa, I'm doing good, okay. Jeff. Wow, that's a different podcast. <laughs> maybe I sh- maybe I should edit that out. Nah, we'll leave it in. It's too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, actually, you 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 may have uh, picked up on a little laughter there with a different voice. Uh, we are joined today by Brad Jeffers. Brad, how are you? I am well, Jeff. Steve, how you doing, buddy? Good, good, Brad. You good. have any confessions for the audience before we start? <laughs> well, I got to figure out what subject I'm on. I I have too many confessions to remember which ones to give. Right? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> So, well, stuff. you know, um, I uh, I set this podcast up this week uh, with Brad and Steve, and uh, I'm subtitling this Coach's Corner. Uh, all three of us uh, train steel challenge shooters, and so I thought we would share some stories, tips, techniques, uh, things that we've seen. Uh, you know, we could share not only the uh, great accomplishments, but uh, maybe even a dumpster fire or two. So... Uh, that's going to be our round table. And actually I'm going to put Brad on the spot right off the bat because Brad, you've got something, uh, special coming up, uh, with a training class that you're giving with Jesse Misko. You want to share a little bit about that? Sure, Jeff. So, um, I'll try not to make it too long, but to give you an idea. Okay. That's enough. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Did you like the idea? Good, huh? So, um, but so Jesse is, has become a good friend of mine, and unfortunately, Jesse is going to do a lot of traveling, traveling this year. He uh, was able to get a – his job was able to switch to where he doesn't have to be there, so he's remote. And he has – now he's got a camper where he's traveling. And he's going to be at my place for a month of March and hanging out and learning, practicing. And we're going to you know, do some training together. And I thought it would be a cool opportunity to um, – since we collaborate a lot to offer something um, with both of us working with people, um, we have a lot of the similar ideas uh, and different ones too, which is, which are good too. But, um, um, and I kind of went back to when I went down to see Steve a couple years ago, um, you know, I really picked up a lot. There's so much information there and Steve actually does a good job of trying to not overload you, but still there's a lot. And, the one of the things I really enjoy the most when I went to Steve's place was, you know, taking an hour break for lunch and sitting around having a couple of hot dogs or a burger and just kind of chatting about ideas and getting to know people. So I thought, you know, that's something we can do, which might be really fun, you know, especially to have someone as talented as Jesse. So we turned it into two days so we could kind of dilute the information a little bit. So we don't, everything doesn't turn into muddy water and, uh, shoot for four or five hour days or four or five hours on Saturday, do some teaching, instructing, kick some new ideas out. And then Saturday evening, we're just going to hang out and throw something on the grill and just chill, talk Q and a talk about what we did that day and just spend quite a bit of time with a group of four. We're capping that at four and um, you know, just kind of let everything just kind of soak in. And there's always like things you'd like to know, right? I know I was lucky enough to hang out with Steve Monday in Columbus. He was doing his real job and, uh, just oh, yeah. they're chit-chatting for two hours, right? About all kinds of stuff, you know, gun-related and ungun-related. And it's just, it's a good time. So I thought that would be something really easy to mix in. 
for two days, people have to get a hotel anyway or find a place to stay. So you're already there. So you might as well get some of that time in. And then we're going to come back Sunday and do some more training and, you know, maybe take that up a, up a notch or do whatever. So, yeah, I thought it was kind of a unique situation. We tried to model it after something that both of us would like to do and would get something out of. Um, have, you know, I have no idea uh, really how it will be received, but I, I think there'll be good information uh, for everybody and hopefully be rewarding. Uh, so that was that was our idea, Jeff. Fantastic. So what do you think, what, what would be your, your, your ultimate goal for a, a student uh, after the class, you know, outside of, okay, they, they, they shoot better, which is of course, you know, the ultimate goal. But uh, I know for myself um, what I try to get with my students, but I'd like to hear what you're looking for first and then I'll share what, what I've got. Okay. So, so and there again, I don't, I don't know how many people in your podcast even knows who I am, but so my background is a lot of different athletic coaching, right? And I think it all comes back to the same thing. So when we have students, if we're doing our job, commu communicating, uh, being creating creative minds, and um, we want people to question our ideas, techniques, and philosophies. So at the end of the day, for me, um, I want them to come out of the session with new information and excited about trying it and with new confidence thinking, wow, I can reach a new information because this information I just got makes a heck of a lot of sense. And I'm anxious to get to the range, to practice, to do my individual workouts. And then I always love to hear back from them. Like, I, you know, I, you know, I, it's so much fun. Uh, I'll throw a name out. We got, we got a, uh, a young lady on our, uh, on our team that's just joined us. Her name's Ella Tryon, great kid out of Northern Ohio and heard her dad work out. Her dad's a very good pistol shooter. And she, uh, you know, got a, got a message from the family. Hey, Ella shot these, these scores when we were practicing. I got that text from her dad a couple weeks ago. So it was fun. She got some stuff that was new, went, applied it, had some success and is excited to keep working on those things. So, you know, whether it's Ella or someone else, um, it's really cool to, have information that is new. There are things I haven't thought about and be excited about taking it to the range and seeing if it can help me improve my game. So that that's how I would judge the success, I guess, is how excited is someone about the information they got? Do they want to apply it or was it just a bunch of fog that I don't have confidence in? Excellent. Steve, same question. I think the part that I enjoy the most about coaching and training is to help shooters see something that they didn't think was possible. And what I mean by that is, is that, and I've shared it a thousand times that everybody's got their own shooting tendency and uh, whether people have a plateau or maybe they just want to get more training and education. I, I really enjoy that part of making, uh, making the changes with people and having them do something that they've never done before. I, that, that gives me a lot of gratification. I really enjoy that. And this may sound silly, but I, I'm not sure if I enjoy the coaching or actual shooting more nowadays, but I, I really enjoy uh, the interaction and, and helping people and coach them and support them. And that that's what I probably enjoy the most is, is, and, and then working with them long-term, it's just not a one and done kind of thing. It's, it's when I train people and some people, even that I don't train, uh, I love to give them uh help and support, you know, whether it's uh worked with somebody um, recently, they just reached out to me out, out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, Hey, uh, 
tell me about your uh, grips and magwell. And so we started talking about guns and then we started talking about rifles and they were having an issue with a barrel and, you know, so, all this sound familiar to anybody. You oh, know yeah. I mean? it's, <laughs> it's just having, having somebody, you know, I've got a day job and, um, a night job and uh, family and all that kind of stuff. So I can't spend all my time doing that part, but I enjoy just helping people with uh, with questions that they didn't know who to turn to or or who to who to ask. Excellent. Well, you know, for me, I think all the things you guys have mentioned, I agree with, and the gratification of knowing you help somebody reach a goal whatever that goal may be, you know, uh, some two second run on smoke and hope, you know, seeing them be able to do that and have the confidence to do that. Um, but from one of the things that, that lately I've really enjoyed hearing from my students is when it doesn't go right for them, they know what they weren't doing correctly and what caused it not to go right. You know, Brad, you may not have heard. Steve's probably heard it ad infinitum. You hmm. know, my my two catchphrases phrases are grip the gun, go one for one. And I truly believe that, you know, okay, not for, you know, the the upper echelon of the uh, the world, but I think if if more if more shooters took that to heart. And what that means and realizing that that the grip, whatever gun you're shooting, whether it be a rifle or a pistol, is the foundation of being able to shoot well. Because even if you're shooting rimfire, uh, especially in centerfire, but even in rimfire, the gun has recoil. And, you know, the classic one I always use with my students is, you know, put your rifle bullseye, uh, bullseye. Set up to bullseye plate uh, two on pendulum. And then I'll move the barrel a quarter of an inch. And I go, are you on the plate? And they go, no. I go, that's what you have. That's what your grip is going to do. It's going to keep you on target. And so hearing them go, I know, you know, come off a line in a match when, when I'm shooting with them and they go, I know what I did wrong. It was my grip. I lost my grip. I could, they knew now. So they were able to identify the problem. Where before they never knew why they were missing, they were just missing. So that that for me is is something that's important. Now you guys both have uh, different ways of training. Like you say, you both have a full time job. Um, through some terrible circumstances, I was able to retire, and you know, coaching is now my full time job. So we have different types of students where you guys are running more of a seminar based thing and then, you know, staying in touch and after, and Steve, I'm sure you get videos from people. Hey, can you help me out here? Is that true? Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. So for me, I see my students every week. So we're able, we, you know, I, I started years ago. It's like, okay. In fact, this week is we start with five. To, we're back on five to go. Next week will be showdown following week will be smoke and hope and we work every stage every week um and most times you know the classes run based on the number of people um anywhere from 
45 minutes to hour and a half, maybe two hours, you know, based, you know, if I've got a private one person or some, you know, my Tuesday classes, I've got five shooters. So it takes a little longer, but everybody's getting up there and usually putting down eh, anywhere from 100, 150 rounds. But the one thing I always throw in there is, and it's not always the last session, it's what I call match conditions. Where the only difference is I have a pad and I'm recording their times in the pad. And I do that because, and you guys tell me if you've seen it, it suddenly means something and their shooting style changes. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so I think, um, I think you can say this about any sport. Um, when, when, as anytime we do training, we change whatever it is, whether it's our grip or technique or what have you, um, as we get a little nervous or things matter, we have a tendency to revert to, you know, what we used to do because we, our muscle memory is established there. And I know, I know Steve is a great big muscle memory guy. So I think it only makes sense a, that we kind of have a tendency to revert back. So you've been training and we all of a sudden are going to put some more emphasis on it. Um, it's pretty easy for things to kind of flow backwards. Um, and that's, that's one nice thing, Jeff, where you get to see people weekly, you can try to build some of that in, um, and, and why we have to change that muscle memory core, right? That, that, that is key, which, you know, for me requires, you know, homework, dry fire, all those other things that will help eliminate that. And then of course you have the mental side too, that gets in there like, Oh my, I just had three good strings, one more, and I'm going to have a PR or a PB, depending on, I guess, what terms. Yeah. And that, oh, my, my, my fourth string <laughs> tends to be my worst string because the yeah. first three go great. And then I'm like, okay, rip this one. And then it's like, oh crap. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, now I just got to put down a solid one on number five. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the norm, right? Although I never get three good ones. So it's, it's, yeah. Four, <laughs> five, <laughs> Definitely not today. <laughs> I, I don't have any good, yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, the different styles, ideas, and thoughts that we all have when we're training to and where we're going and how we're trying to get there. Cause it does vary quite a bit. Um, and you know, there's, there's more than one path to a podium, right? But absolutely, um, all, all, of them, all of them require training, you know, and practice and dedication. So yeah, good stuff. I, I think that is, that is probably... Uh, I had somebody uh, years ago when I first started shooting and, and we were, I was doing a lot of USPSA and we went over and took a class with Shannon Smith, who has been on the podcast. And my this is my friend Gerald. And Gerald said something very important that has stuck with me. And it was the best investment you can make is an investment in yourself. And the people who come to your classes, uh, come to your training seminars, you know, call Steve up. Hey, can you help? Those are the people that are willing to put an investment in to themselves. Because this is this is a learned skill. It's a diminishable skill. Um, and you have to stay on top of it. And I think it's also, what do you want to get out of it, right? You know, we've talked a little bit about this in the past is, is that it is perfectly fine to go out there and exercise your second amendment right and have fun and just shoot. You 100%. know, that's that that's per perfectly fine. 
But if you want to get better, sometimes you don't know um, what you're doing, how you're how you're doing it until you've seen it done. And, you know, we've chatted a little bit about this in the past, too. It's, uh, you know, people don't understand what the true limits are or what's capable or achievable. You know, again, if you look at uh, if you like the steel challenge historian, I've shared this a couple of times, but. You know, back back in the day, you know, 65 was lights out, man. Mm-hmm. You know, back oh, in 2018, yeah. 2019, you're a world champion. You can shoot a 65. But I think that's what happens when you have competition and, you know, people train and, uh, you know, go find help and, you know, those types of things that uh, they really see what, what is possible. But, you know, uh, I was working with somebody here recently and said, hey, you know what, man? I'm going to come see you for X amount of dollars because I'm going to waste four times that and not get any better. Because some people, sometimes people just don't know, you know, of course, what they don't know or what they haven't seen. So it's uh, it's it's worth it if you're looking to uh, you're looking to get better to find a find a good coach. Hundred percent. But uh, to back up to what Brad said just a little bit ago, yeah, it was really cool. I I, I really love the relationships. Um, you know, I'm not even sure how Brad, how you found me. Was it through chat or was it just? I, so here's kind of my deal. Um, mm-hmm. I got a volleyball coaching job and I'd never played volleyball. So, and you'll, Steve, you know me well enough that you'll laugh at this. So what did I do? I did a quick research and I found out the winningest volleyball coach was in Ohio. And I called him. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. like, so that's just how it worked. Like, so I'm going to find you know, the person that's done it the best for the longest, I'm going to call. And it's amazing. If you treat people nice, everyone wants to help. Right? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. The people that know the most need to be asked and they'll help you. The people that don't know yep. anything have all kinds of advice without asking. Is that fair or not? And sometimes you get what you pay for. <laughs> that's right. So, I mean, you know, so that's Steve. That's honestly, I mean, you know, you, your reputation, your hard work, the time you put in, you know, sent me to you. So I'm just, you know, get uh, you. Know, I got you. But, you know, hey, Steve, you know, here I am. This is what I'm doing. You know, I know you're good at this. Let's find the time. Right. So yep, that's yep. where that was my connection there. Um, let me bounce back real quick. So and this is yep. a little controversial because um, it's it's different for everyone. Right. And my there's so there's two things here. One, I'm going to say. And, you know, Steve talked about what you're going to get at, what are you looking to get out of it? So I'm going to take that a little different angle. Um, are you wanting to be the best in the world? Or are you wanting to go from A to B or from B to A, mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. A to B, right? So, and in what time span do you want to do it? Yeah. So, and this, this will contradict your one for one, Jeff, just a little bit, but that's okay. And you might disagree with it, which is, which I'm fine with too. But regardless, if, you know, if, we have someone that's new that wants to get as good as they can get. I'm going to go the opposite and say, I don't want you going one for one because I can go one for one. I'm just going to be really damn slow. <laughs> you know? so, fair, I, fair, I enough, mean, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and, and when you finish, <laughs> I will, I will preface what my one for one means, but keep going. <laughs> so, so for me, I want them getting used to seeing and making mental decisions way faster than they're doing it now. And if I do that at a pace where we're, we really don't want to count misses because we know misses are slow, it will take me a long time to get there. But if I say, okay, you're going to shoot 175 strings, 
And if you miss and count a bunch of misses, it's okay right now because we're not preparing for matches. We're training to be faster than we are. Now, when we start training for a match, which is where are you, what are you doing or what are you trying to get out of it? That's a different type of training for me, right? So, and these are kind of ideas I've developed without, you know, a little bit on my own or, or looking at stats. And I go back to sometimes I think when I was coaching other sports, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to find what is, and I, I do this a lot with techniques and all, I call Steve all the time about this stuff. Are we forward thinking or are we doing what we've always done? Because right? mm -hmm. because in so many sports, you know, we're always move, moving forward. Sometimes ideas and stuff get left behind and we create new ones. Uptimes, some of those fundamentals are long lasting and last forever as long as the game exists. So are we really truly trying to find new techniques, new ways to analyze statistics, new ways to prove, you know, improve, and then maybe some of those old techniques do need to go by the side, by the, you know, by the side, or side. but there's also the importance of your grip is never going to change, right? <laughs> you know, the importance yeah. of, you know, your, you know, there's your, basic your fundamentals of shooting that, that you yes. have to, there, you have to do. But you know? if we're training, like our eyes and cognitive decision-making, that's different skill, you know, completely different. And to do that, um, like, so I'll throw out just a little bit of thing. Like I haven't shot a steel match in over five months and I come down here to Tennessee and not practicing. So like, all I want to do is just try to go really fast. Right. And, and I know I'm going to have misses. I know I'm going to probably count some misses, but it's okay because I'm not trying to shoot a match. I'm trying to just kind of start working on gaining some speed. So is that bad? Well, if I'm trying to shoot the best score I can today, that's not the way to go about it. But if I want to get more comfortable shooting 150s with my pistol, that's okay. Because I'm trying to shoot a match. I'm not going to shoot any 150s with my pistol. Right? So what are we better off with? You know, three or four 150s and a bunch of twos or threes, or am I better off with a whole bunch of 195s? Like for me, I'd rather have the student that's willing to shoot the 150s and miss because we can always take that and turn that into a real consistent match of 165s, right? We can't take the 195 shooter and make him a 165 shooter. It's just not gonna happen until they can cognitively make the decisions fast enough to shoot the 165 comfortable. Now, if I can shoot 150s, I can shoot 165 really comfortably. Um, so it's a little bit different than some people look at it. And it might be totally crazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, it's actually not. And and quite frankly, it's it's in line with with my theory because, mm -hmm. and I and I will say this as my analysis: you did not go to shoot a match. No. You shot in a match, mm -hmm. but you didn't go to shoot the match. You didn't go to to try to 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 score the best score you could possibly. You extended your training into that match, and that was Look. and that's great. And I've actually said that I've said this to a lot of my students where a level one, a level one local match should just be extended training. Yeah. So you're, and that's a good point too, Steve, or well, both you guys and give me your feedback. So often we go to our practice ranges and we practice this and sometimes we practice going fast, but there's a difference between going to the practice range and shooting fast and misses don't matter. than going to an actual match and doing that. Right. So I feel like that's a really important important part of practicing going fast, practicing making cognitive decisions really quick, 
when I'm actually at a match and maybe it's not like you say, it's a local match or whatever. It, it's the perfect time to throw, throw some caution away, have some fun, see how fast you can shoot. And if you don't win or you don't do your best total time, that's almost good because that means you are pushing the envelope you know, I, a lot. This goes yeah. into something else that I've, I say to my students, especially in training, is the best part about misses in training is they don't count because mm-hmm. you're training. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I adopted something from Steve. Steve talks about the edge. You know, if you're a if you're a you know, two second shooter in the smoke and hope, if two seconds is you're comfortable at two seconds. You can run two second runs. Yeah, when you're in practice, you ought to be running to one seventy fives, because you know. Let's face it. I think we could all get out there and smoke and hope and probably whip off a one twenty five shots but probably not hit anything mm-hmm. that is too far from the edge in my estimation. There's got to be some control. You don't want to have just a complete haphazard go fast for the sake of going fast, which I don't think you're saying you still want to have, like you said, you still want to be able to have some cognitive reference of I'm seeing the dot on the plate or I know why I missed that plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's always a fine line uh, if we're really, truly building speed. Um, although, um, you know, where is that to get to a fine line? We're going to be crossing it part of the time. Is that bad? I don't I don't think so. But obviously, when we're shooting an actual match, you know, we do need a better sight picture. We do need to make better decisions. But then again, too, I mean, let's be honest, too. Like, how many times is Casey Eusebio going to go, you know, one for one when he grips the gun, like he's going to miss three times and shoot a one eighty four on, you know, smoking hope or something. Right. Or, you know, Kenny Nagata counting misses at worlds and still finishing really, really high. So they're on that edge a lot. Same way with Jesse Misko, you know, you counting the misses in really big matches. It's not that they want to, it's just that they're able to ride that really fine line pretty well. Now you don't get there where you can do that without practicing that. Right. Uh, sometimes you're going to cross the line, but if we don't ever cross it, we're not probably trying to write it close enough. Maybe I don't, that's, so that's just an idea. And I'd love to hear you guys feedback on that. Like I said, different technique, but the same, same idea. You know, they always, I always get a kick out of the fact that people say, Oh, the kids, the kids can see faster. And I always tell them, Sight is based on a universal constant called the speed of light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you see exactly as fast as somebody else. The difference is how fast they perceive what's happening. Is my it, is what I tell my students. Explain so, perceive. Define perceive for me, just so I understand what you're saying there. Because so we- we're gonna both see. If we're if 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 we could both see the uh, a sight approaching a plate, mm-hmm. we're both going to see the dot reach the edge of the plate at the same time because it's okay. universal. It's a universal constant. Okay, but a better shooter is going to perceive and be able to make the um the cognitive decision of that sight picture is good enough for me to press the trigger 
and move on to the next plate. Mm-hmm. Where a shooter with lesser skills is going to wait for that dot to stop or wait for that dot to be in the middle of the plate. They're not going to have that that uh, that ability to pull the trigger because they're waiting for the dot to stop wiggling. And sure. of course that goes back to form and trigger press and all those kinds of things too. Those, those, yeah. those matter, but, yeah. but they're, they're able to make the decision to press the trigger faster with the sight picture they have over someone who um, isn't willing to make that decision, you know, can't make that decision, <laughs> hasn't learned that good enough. Yeah. So in how much of that too, Jeff, I think we're on the same page hundred percent here. It's like, so that dry fire practice, the live fire practice, you're also training yourself to move that dot to the correct spot too, right? Like I, I do really have good. one question for Steve quickly. Okay. Steve, what is yep. dry fire? I, I don't what is what is it, what is this what is this dry fire stuff he's talking about? It's what is this some, uh, is this some uh, newfangled uh, thing that he's developed. What the hell is he talking about? Jeff, I, I can't believe we made it this far into it, but that's what people do when they don't have a home range. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, I cracked myself up. Oh, no, I, Brad, I, I honestly believe I, and, and, and I think we are saying very similar things in a very different way. Um, but I agree with everything you've said, mm-hmm. um, you know, because yes, while I do preach grip the gun, go one for one, you're absolutely right. I could go out there and shoot a five second smoke and hope. Yeah. Ping, yeah. ping, 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 ping there. I just went one for one. Yeah, that's not what my one for one statement means. Sure. Because you also have to shoot. I also believe that a lot of shooters, um, when they're in a match that matters to them, where they're looking to shoot as well as they can. Okay, they're not going for, uh, you know, a a match where they're practicing, as you just did. But there's something where Mm -hmm. they're actually saying, okay, beginning of the day, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to I'm going to. perform at my peak level at this match Mm -hmm. that the one for one matters within your skill level. Okay. So a a two second shooter shooting a five second string is not shooting within their skill level. Yes. But a two second shooter, you know, that comes out and, you know, first string shoots a two twenty. in my estimation, they're right where they need to be. They're within ten percent of their their best. Sure, sure. Now and they got to now know. they got to start trusting it and start pushing a little and pushing a little. Mm-hmm. And you can push too far. I mean, the worst. I don't know about you guys, but the worst thing that ever happens to me is if I crush the first string. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my brain goes, "Well, now now get faster, get faster, get faster." Yeah, yeah. And it's okay. Now I'm I'm missing too much, you know. And and part of my part of my go one for one actually stems from a conversation back at the 2017 U.S. Steel Nationals between Steve Foster and, oh, no, I can't remember his name. Uh-oh. Rifle shooter, used to shoot a lot, uh, was on Team Volk Ortson, um, 
Talking about Ron? Yes, Ron Elliott. Yes. It was between you and Ron. Ron Oliver. Yep. Ron Oliver. Excuse me, Ron. I doubt you're listening, but if you are, I apologize. Ron Oliver. <laughs> and I was walking behind you guys, and you were talking, and you weren't talking about what you just shot. You were talking about how many extra shots you took into score. Mm-hmm. Meaning how many pickups did you have to make? And that's when it, that was the first time it started clicking to me. And then of course, Brad, you're analytical. I'm very analytical. I started looking <laughs> at, at different levels, a miss costs people a different amount of time. Of course. It, it always costs time. Though, right? <laughs> it always costs time. But it tends to be a somewhere between a 10 and 15% time difference of if you had missed. Meaning, you know, if if you're uh if you end up throwing a 170, your pickup is probably going to be about 1.7 seconds, you know, 10% of your total time. That's what I'm getting at. Sure. You know, like a three second shooter is going to have about a three tenths of a second pickup, yeah, on a miss. Yeah, that would and of be course, good, it's all based yeah. on the plate and the stage and and, and yes. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so when you start looking, that's where I develop my my concept of of one for one. But again, within your shooting capability, I've, you know, you've got a B shooter. Having them go one for one, um, at their level is still going to be slower than a master shooter going one for one on the same stage, but it's the best. It's what that B shooter can do now. And then in and, training, you're pushing them to say, okay, now, just like you've pointed out, this is what your potential is. We all shoot our best matches when we don't have very many pickups, right? That's of course, without a, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing, we're seeing that, you know, our, our sight picture, the way we want to see it, we're making cognitive decisions. Well, you know, we're calling our shots with all those things that are you know, important. And, you know, I know Steve talks about that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but you, you know, you, I think you work a lot on like that when we're starting out, let's try to start out at 80% of our peak, but, but we know what that is. Right. And, and that gives you, you know, so you're not trying to push so hard and if things are going good, you'll naturally kind of speed up just because you become more familiar with your cadence. You become more familiar with, you know, the RO, you know, and you should be getting more comfortable with your timing of your different targets. So, um, you know, that's kind of a nice, interesting way to, um, to look at kind of what you're saying there, I think, Jeff, which is good. You know, and I'm Steve, we're monopolizing. So I'm going to give you a question. In a that's minute, okay. So but you you raise something really important there, Brad, which is something I have all my students. They walk to the line in training, and the first question I ask them is, "What's your number?" Mm-hmm. And if they don't have it, I have a Google sheet that has a link to their SCSA uh, scores, and I can go in and I can get what their current best stage time is. Divide it by four for all but outer limits, and I can get what's their average best string. Mm-hmm. So now I know what their best is. So again, if if I look it up and it's uh, you know two fifty on accelerator, and you're shooting two seventy fives, I'm gonna push you that you're not going fast enough mm-hmm. because misses don't matter in practice. Sure, sure, yeah, you know, and 
that's also something where knowing I've always stressed this with, with everyone, even in a match, know your number um, for that same reason where I, you know, come out blazing my first string. If I'm, if my best is a, whatever stage it is, two seconds, if my best is two seconds and I come out and throw 175, I need to my, say to myself, okay, that's a great run. Just keep running 175s now. And I'm going to end up one second under my my personal best mm-hmm. instead of trying to take that 175 and make it a 165 and a 155. And again, just as you said, it's all dependent upon what your goal is for that match. Sure. All right. So, Steve, let me ask you something. What has been your... Greatest success story. You can use a name if you want, but your greatest success story in your coaching. Oof. Or just, you know, top ones. What what are some of your best ones? Um, without bragging, that's a tough one. <laughs> you can <laughs> brag. You can brag. You've earned it. Nah, it, <laughs> no, it, it's it's one of those I, I've been very fortunate to uh have trained or worked with some of the some of the best shooters out there. And I'm very humbled that, uh, you know, that people have come, come to see me and, uh, found value in the vice that I've had. And, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to list a bunch of names cause you know, I've shared a little bit of that in the past, but yeah, it's been, uh, you know, there's just a lot of junior shooters that are now world multiple world champions that have been fortunate just to even spend time out of the range. You know, I'm just, humbled that uh they they came to see me uh but i I think that what i'm most proud of though in terms of in terms of coaching is some some of the folks that aren't even world champions people that just have found you know a relationship with uh with shooting i remember uh i'll share okay i'll share a story and I, i think you guys have heard this before but um probably uh probably just spending time in, in training um, is with Mike Baker. I remember he oh, reached out to, me, reached out to him, him on, I know, I know on. On, on Facebook and we went and shot a rimfire challenge match together. And, and Elsie, you wouldn't know it. She, she was not into guns or shooting whatsoever and probably a year, year and a half. And now they travel the country together. And uh, so I'm fortunate to have that type of experience and, you know, we shared, Brad shared a little bit, you know, had an opportunity. I was in Ohio last week and uh, he went out of his way and picked up Chet, um, owner of, well, CWA that recently sold to Precision Defense. Man, we we sat there and chatted for a couple hours and, you know, some of that was based on relationships of training and coaching and so on and so forth. But I just, you know, at some point it's about the speed, it's about the accomplishments, it's about all of that, but it's more of the sense of community. And it's something that I really, really, really enjoy. And I've just been humbled to, uh, to met a lot of amazing people on this journey. So it's just, you know, it's just not the training with the world champions, although that is pretty, pretty darn cool. And, you know, people that have come here and, you know, the next match or two, they, they shoot like lights out. And there are a couple of people that come to, uh, come to mind that, 
you know, shots just some amazing times that, you know, I was cautiously optimistic that I'm like, Hey, this is where you could be at. And they just, you know, <laughs> they just lay it all down. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's that part. It's, it's about the relationships. It's, it's about the, the sense of community family. And, uh, I, I'm an addict. I, I love shooting Jeff. Oh, Steve, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's just, uh... And I met you, Jeff. You're going to get you. You're going to have to get me a bit here, man. Okay. But, um, okay. But even, even no, like tonight. No, but, I, I, you know, I'm joking but, with you, Steve, because I do consider you one of my best friends. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we met. Uh, we may have had one or two conversations online. Just, you know, nothing, nothing spectacular. But we got to meet. Um, I think it was at U.S. Steel. Yeah, um, here in uh, South River. Yep. And, you yep. know, it was, uh, th- there was a, a spark there that we continued on. And, you know, when, uh, when you know, I think we were both thinking about, you know, doing a podcast. And when we reached out to each other, it just fell into place, you know. And um, it, I, I agree with those sentiments um 100 percent, 1000 percent. i know for me you know going to the big matches i've always joked about it's like old home days yeah for sure you know you're you're getting to see the people that you you know you may see on you know you might see a post on facebook and maybe you don't even reply but you just see a post and then you get to see them and you know i agree with you i feel very humbled i'm you know okay i'm gonna i'm gonna toot my own horn here a little bit um, you know, in a month, less than a month, the West Florida is coming up and every year, except for one, you've made it. And last year it was because you were, you got sick right. Before I did. You, it was bad. You know, um, and you know, Larry has been to the match and Zach's coming again this year. And he was there last year and, you know, uh, Doug and Beth Kemmerer and Richard Stokes are coming down from Indiana. Omen setter. Ryan Wagner coming down from Pennsylvania. Um, T-Rex, Mike Wallace, Bill no- Will Noadnik. They're all coming. They're coming to my little, you know, I always joke about it. My little dinky six-stage match. But I am so honored that they're willing to spend the time and money to come down. Because as a match director... Um, but also as a friend, I just appreciate every one of them that that uh, come to the match. And it's great when you meet somebody new. I mean, the very first match, the very first West Florida match, I got to meet Reagan Hearn. And I've known her and her family since then. And, you know, she brings me Skittles, which is, <laughs> you know, she she found out I like Skittles. And now she brings me Skittles. And Jesse Grant, you know, these are all, I mean, and granted they're Florida shooters, but again, you can go down, the, you could just go down a litany of, of names, you know, and we could all just, just start reeling off the people that we've met and then have just become, you know, close friends more than just range friends, you know, and range friends are great. People you see at the range and say hi and you're nice and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, I've actually been allowed inside your house, which I feel very, <laughs> very honored. <laughs> You know. uh, gotta step up security yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but to that point jeff you know um 
And you mentioned uh, the Hearns. Uh, that's the first time that I met uh, Reagan and Adam and, you, you know, the, the same one, Jen. And <laughs> <laughs> But and, and these folks are extremely, you know, extremely close friends with me and my kids. And, you know what I mean? Reagan was up here and she stayed with us for, I don't know, was it a week, two weeks? I don't know, last summer. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's. It's cool. And, and I will say, and I've shared this with you once or twice when we're talking about, you know, why do you like coming to the West Florida match? And and it's not that I wouldn't go to the match, but it's because it's your match. That's the reason why I make it a priority to, uh, to go to it. So anyway, but you know, you can also go down the line too. It's like, I'll see Jesse Misko usually once a year at worlds. And it's great seeing him very similar with adam reno all our west coast friends you know unless the grimies start traveling more which they've actually come down to area six when it was here in floor in okeechobee you know we got to see him there but you know every time i see kurt and maria it's fantastic mm-hmm. it's just great seeing these people and you know i mean last year i got to meet brad and you know now we've got him on the podcast we've talked uh, uh, on separate phone calls, and and it's great, you know, when you see that phone, you know, ring, and it's it's somebody you haven't talked to in a while, but it's a it's a shooting buddy, and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to take this, I can't wait to see what's going on, and 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 hear stuff, you know. Yep, yep. And then you know, for me, um, it it's uh, uh, my my brother of another mother, uh, Zach Jones is is also one of my great friends. Also met him at that same uh, match uh 2017 uh US Steel and you know we've uh garnered a friendship that you know goes beyond shooting which is pretty cool and Brad, guys, you know Brad I, I hope the same happens I, I I don't see why it wouldn't happen with you so you know when I'm up your way and I need a place to stay you know just uh you know well, leave the I garage think... door open <laughs> I hear you that's true like and so I'm I'm pretty new to the whole steel challenge shooting community. It's certainly you know relatively to you guys, and you know just uh, you know, Jeff. I remember when you like come up out of the blue, right to to Worlds, right my first time there. Like, hey, you know, introduce yourself, and you know, and genuinely looking forward to build relationships and meet people, and it's that has a lot of value, and that talks a lot about I think what the steel challenge community is really about, and also um, you know it just really is a really nice family friend setting. It is a competitive. Absolutely. But both you guys though are a big part of why it's that way, you know, and I've been, been the benefit of getting to meet both of you and both of you've been very welcoming and helpful to me, which, which I really appreciate, but um, hopefully I can, you know, do my share of that in the future. But that's, that's, that's why people love it. And like you say, Jeff, that's why people come to your match. It's like, there's not, not only are they looking forward to seeing you, but they're looking forward to see a lot of those people you've named and yep. getting to say hi, right. After a cold winter or a time away from shooting, it's really nice to be. And, and obviously you're putting on a good match. You care about it being done right. All those things are cool too, but it's really, um, you know, that you know, the work you've done trying to promote the sport and, and be a, a friend to people. I appreciate that. And I, I will say this, um, and and I said it about uh, in our little pre-conversation about, uh, you know, I had the the USPSA uh, Florida State match this weekend that I uh, I worked a stage. Um, 
I'm very fortunate to have become involved with uh, the Wyoming Antelope Club and their action pistol discipline. And we pride ourselves on putting on matches where the shooters before the match is over say, I can't wait to come back to next year's. You can't get a higher praise than that. And, you know, you've all been to great matches and we've all been to less than great matches. And it's, it's amazing how the great matches go on and on and on and are just as big. And I, I will, I will call out another good friend, Steve Wright and what they do up uh, for area five, you know, that's, that's been a premier mat premier area match for years. Kurt Grimes, uh, in what he does with area two, um, I don't know if I have the time to put into it that Kurt did because that match sounded amazing. <laughs> um, it, it, it's really all Maria, just in case if there's any <laughs> misconceptions about that. Love you, Kurt. <laughs> you know, but you can look at all the other stuff. Um, uh, all the other matches and, and, and that, that have been put on, you know, uh, the, it's you you know the good ones and and the good ones continue to grow uh some have challenges that are beyond their control like uh uh area six uh not area six uh south south georgia championships poor jamie the uh, last year's was uh was a rough one with uh having to be rescheduled twice uh before he had it and he still got close to 200 shooters at that match if he didn't break 200 and yeah, you know think, that's a testament to him he did break 200 yeah i'm pretty sure he did awesome you know again i don't have the number in front of me but uh you know that match got rained out and then he got deployed and wasn't able oh, to man. do it and you know i know when i was there he was like oh you know it's just it's not as big and i'm like jamie it's it's still big it's still big for what what happened uh it's amazing what he was able to put on. So, you know, kudos to him. So uh, along that same line, um, Jeff, so the, the area eight match looked like it was going to disappear and Wade Shaner kind of dived in there. With there some you other go. People, and they did it. They, I just thought they did a really great job last year, kind of moving location, getting things going, setting up a good match. And I'm, you know, I'm anxious to get back there again this year and, and see some of those people when he, you know, yeah, it did a fabulous job just trying to get that match up and going. And when it looked like it might disappear, um, yeah, fabulous. Well, I'll, I'll, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna throw some more kudos. I just met him at the Mississippi match this past year. Mm -hmm. uh, Carlos Knox out in Area Four, you yeah, know, Texas. Um, not only did he get one in for uh, 2023, but the 2024 Area Four match is already on the books as going to happen. Um, and you know, there, there's another guy that says, you know, he wants to be able to bring this to his area. And that's fantastic. You know, and I looked, I'm looking down here at the majors that are on the steel challenge website and my screen is full open and I'm having to scroll three times to get to the bottom of the match. And this is outside of just area matches uh, and world speed. You know, you've got you've got state championships and then you've got some of the the the, the specialized ones, uh, you know, going towards the end of the year. I'm seeing here the 2024 Cornhusker Classic. You know, 
that's not an area match. That's not a state match. That's just a level two match that someone says, I want to bring value to the shooting community and put a match. Uh, Brad, I'm guessing you're going to be going to the Ohio Steel Classic up there in uh, Marengo, Ohio, but in October. Yeah. So, and shout out to Todd Voitzel, I think, is, runs that match yeah. at uh, the Cornhusker, and he does a great job from all. I'm hoping to maybe find a way to sneak out there, even though it's like 174,000 hours, I think, to get there. But yeah. Fantastic people. Yeah, Be, being that. retired now, um, I'm taking advantage of being retired. And uh, the week after the CMP, uh, when the CMP or the uh, world speed shoot at the CMP ends, uh, I'm going to drive up north and spend some time with my daughter and grandkids and then drive down and I'm going to shoot area five. So I need I need a class. It's up north for you, Georgia. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that you know. Does it get under 50? Am I going to have to wear socks? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And long johns. You probably, do you know what long johns uh, are? Yep. I did grow up in oh. Buffalo, so I do have an idea, but uh, I haven't yeah. worn them in a while. <laughs> well, cool. I'll look forward to seeing you at Area That'll be good to see you at Area 5, Steve. Oh, I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. It'll be, in my, in fact, be it's funny place. because my, my granddaughter is coming, and she helped uh, at the uh, the West Florida last year, and she's like, what am I going to do? I'm like, listen, Brian Conley gave you a pair of Hunter's HD gold last year. I said, bring those. I will give you ear protection and you can help paint. There you you go. don't have to be with me. And there's going to be other kids there. Trust me. You're going to meet people that you've, you've never met before. And you might actually build a great friendship, you know, uh, mm -hmm. just at those match. And that happens. Oh yeah. For you sure. know, and stuff um no I'm, I'm looking i'm looking forward to it and i'd like to you know i'm hoping to do do some more traveling um there are uh, a couple of matches in in tennessee uh that i'd love to be able to make and uh, i'm going to do my best to to do those too uh because uh, i have yet to shoot in tennessee so that will be uh an advantage well it last year you know the week after i retired uh i was in mississippi shooting the mississippi state match and uh had a you know had a blast and it was because of zach you know zach we're talking on the phone he's like you're retired go to the match i'm like okay <laughs> yeah but if you're <laughs> twist, if you're going my arm oh oh that hurt okay yeah. it's since we're doing and, shout outs if you're going through tennessee and you're in the knoxville area i'll tell you the people at orsa are fabulous you know the you know the john Suter, the kenny reaser randy ermer Dan Carpenter, the Gibsons, you know, there's, there's just on and on that people at, uh, at Orsa there in Oak Ridge outside of Knoxville, they have been so good to me and that, that would, you would love stopping there. Just I really would go to that. People. I would go to that match just to see John Suter. I haven't seen him yes. in years and he yep. was a, uh, uh, a standard at, uh, the U S steel and the, uh, uh, world speed shoot and i would i would go just to see john again he i considered him a good friend and and he was a lot of fun and and jokingly you know i'll never forget the one time he he was shooting in in open-toed sandals but he had his sneakers <laughs> and i'm like john what are you doing he's like well i can't wear open-toed for outer limits so he would change his <laughs> shoes to run outer limits and then he would go back into open-toed sandals so <laughs> great that's john great. is a fantastic guy oh absolutely fantastic love john yeah, it's good good people there in, in the Oak Ridge area for sure. 
All right. Well, uh, this has been great, guys. Uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, Steve, I'll let you start since uh, we've been talking up too much. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. No, I enjoyed spending some time with you guys. It's always uh, it's always great to talk about one of my uh, favorite subjects in the whole wide world. But what, I do encourage a home people. Range? <laughs> you know, there was like three other times I was going to interject that, and then you just left the door open, so I had to walk through and be it'd be rude if I didn't, Jeff. So I did, I did. So, great, anyway. that is great. But it was good talking with you guys. But uh, also, you know, I highly encourage people if you're uh, if you're serious about shooting and shooting still, you want to get better. Find uh, find a good uh, find a good coach and mentor to uh, to do that. And uh, don't feel awkward. Don't feel weird about it. Um, look up. Some of the people on the podcast here are absolutely fantastic shooters, great people, great coaches. Uh, start off in your area. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely if you want to make some improvements, you got to find somebody that, uh, that, that can really help you get to the next level for sure. 100%. For sure. Brad, any final thoughts? Well, you know, first off, just a thank you to both you guys for, uh, you know, even the mentoring you've done for me, you know, certainly Steve, all the advice and tips and, you know, listening to my crazy ideas. Um, I appreciate that. He does, it. He does have yeah. some crazy ones, Jeff. I'm I, just saying. I, yeah, they're, they're way out there, man. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, and, you know, Jeff, certainly all the work you've done to promote Steel Challenge and the shooting sports, it's uh, you guys are a true blessing to the sport. And uh, I've been fortunate to be able to reciprocate uh, some of the goodwill you guys have put out there. So, and if there's you know, another thing too, like if you do want to get better and just throwing ammo down range, isn't usually the answer. So, and even though you may not be close to one of us or so there's the community is not so big that one of us can't get you to either someone that can help you find someone yeah. in your area or give you some ideas of ways you might be able to pick up some tips. And if we can, all of us love to help and, um, certainly don't be afraid to reach out to, to anyone. Absolutely. hundred percent. I, I, you know, the, that is, that is very true. There, there are so many people out there and, and quite frankly, there's a lot of people that don't currently coach right now, but are capable of doing it. So, you know, that might be the, uh, the opportunity, uh, if you reach out to, to Brad or Steve or I and go, you know, I'm in, you know, Kansas, you know, uh, we might know somebody out there that is potential and say, Hey, you know, take this person under your wing for a little bit, teach him some stuff. And, uh, I know I became a better shooter when I became a coach because I would say stuff to my students and then I would go. I do that. I need to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> That's that is 100% true right there. Yeah. For sure. That is 100% true. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much everybody listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh Steve, you know what the drill is. Yeah, uh yeah, if you uh if you don't want to dry fire, get a home range. I mean, uh if you want 10% <laughs> You want ten percent off? Use discount code SP Podcast ten for ten percent off. I love this, Jeff. It brings joy and happiness to my life. All right, <laughs> all right. Here. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.